painting to photography, from beadwork to woodworking. KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University presents Artbeat. Artbeat highlights the work and accomplishments of local artists from in and around Winona. Support for Artbeat is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. What does it mean to live driftless? How does the geography of an area shape a sense of place? Today on The Artbeat, we talk with filmmaker and WSU alum Caleb Hamill. In his film, The Living Driftless, Caleb explores the people and outdoor recreation that make the Winona area unique. Today on The Artbeat, I have a very special guest with me. Got Caleb Hamill, KQAL alumni. Exciting. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Always happy to to make KQAL great and (laughs) talk with you. Awesome. So uh, a little getting into some context. Tell us about your history with KQAL and just Winona in general. Yeah, so I moved to Winona when I was, I think, 13. Um, grew up there, went to high school there, wow. lived out in the country, out kind of by Camp Winona, mm-hmm. on the East Burns Valley Road. Nice. Um, really fell in love with the area. I mean, it's beautiful. It, uh, um, there's all sorts of stuff to do. Uh, mainly wasn't too into actual, like, outdoor sports. Uh, I just kind of went on hikes with my dad, um, you know, skiing and stuff like that, but nothing too, I'd say, elaborate, but too fun. Uh, and then I went to college in central Minnesota um, for a year and a half um, and really just realized it wasn't right for me. There wasn't a whole lot of outdoor opportunities. There wasn't as much topography. So uh, I transferred back starting my second semester of my sophomore year. And that summer before, the rock wall opened at Winona State. And from, you know, from the first time I went in there, it just immediately blew me away, and I just started climbing as much as I could. Everything in you know the Driftless and Winona Lacrosse, Red mm-hmm. Wing, and then really through that started. You know, you know, I was exposed to mountain biking and canoeing, um, and the, the culture that I found myself in really pushed me to do all of those other sports as well as climbing. Yeah, and I started to realize how much was out there and all the the great stuff you could do awesome wow because i had known you before but i didn't know that you had i just thought you had gone to winona the whole time that's, that's yeah cool. yeah and then yeah obviously right when i when i transferred back i immediately sent an email because i had heard there was a, a radio program to, to doug and he said yeah we'd love to you know it's a student club come on down and i did a show for one semester and then became staff the next semester and then stuck with it and definitely think it was one of the best things I did while I was at Winona. Wow. Yeah, and it's so awesome that I'm, like, in a way following in your footsteps. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a cool interview. So where are you Where are you now? We got a phone interview. You know, you're calling in from a faraway locale. Yeah, so right now I live out in Aspen, Colorado. Um, technically, um, in my apartment, it's Nomad Village, Colorado, but they're pretty much the same thing. Um I live out here. It's my second season out here. I moved out here last year, two days after graduating college, actually. Wow. Um, and I work right now at the Little Nell Hotel. I do room service. It's not exactly the most job in the world, but um, it's a very fun one. Um, I'm going to grad school next fall at CU Boulder, so this is my... Wow. Oh, uh, so yeah, you're establishing that residence. Yeah, this is my... Uh, well, it's not necessarily that. I just wanted to save up and, and work another semester. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't quite ready to give up the ski bum life. 
So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just kind of kind of hanging out an extra semester or extra year and just saving up some money and, and being until my, my heart can't take it anymore. Nice. Nice. Wow. Uh, what are you studying in grad school? So I'll be going to the Strategic Communication Experience Design Program. Wow. Nice. Nice. That's so cool. I didn't know that at all. Uh, so right into the film, I guess, you know, give us the rundown. You kind of explained your story, but then how does that turn into the film? Yeah, so I, um, I've i always made videos and always made, you know, I wouldn't call them movies, but I've always, I always made things, and I never felt like any of them were, I wouldn't say legitimate, but real project you know now that they were all just a little edit here mm-hmm. and there uh, and i really wanted to to work on a bigger project kind of the stuff that had, that i had been watching for years that had been inspiring me to make videos so i <laughs> very uh trying to think of the right word very not knowing really how the process worked and not knowing really not absolutely not knowing enough about the actual filming process, the fundraising process, the, mm-hmm. how long editing was going to take, how to tell a story like that. Um, in a very naive way, um, did like a, a Kickstarter and then tried to get some money and mm-hmm. thought that companies would help pay for it. Some kid who had never made a video before. And then I realized I have to make something first to show. And, but I kind of just went into it and I did a, a Kickstarter to make uh, our first round of funding, I guess you'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was one summer, got a good amount of interviews done, and then the next summer got some more gear again and um, shot all the activities. Yeah. But very much went into it with like a preconceived notion of what it was going to be, and that was the, the biggest thing I learned was that that's not at all how it works. Yeah. That you can't go in to a documentary about a place, even if you think you know it, and know what the story's going to be until you actually tell it. Um, and yeah, it, just, it took it took a lot longer than I thought. I was in college full time, was working, didn't really understand. I, I kind of got to a point where I realized the story that was there wasn't the one I thought I was telling. Um, it kind of got turned off to the project for a little bit, and it took. Hmm. Um, you know, giving it some time and just kind of thinking about the greater area and thinking about myself and my place in it and just relaxing and letting, you know, myself be a part of it um, to really understand what was actually going on. And then I could, after a couple months hiatus, come back and, and finish the edit. The, so part one, so the plug here, the film is The Living Driftless. You can check it out on YouTube. It was at Frozen River Film. It's absolutely spectacular. Uh, so part one was fully complete. Did you produce part one and then decide to revisit it, or was it like you sat on part one, decided, you know, this wasn't finished, and then completed the second half? Yeah, so I, it wasn't necessarily part one and two. Um, mm-hmm. I had done it the first summer filming mainly interviews and B-roll, and then my plan was to revisit the second summer and film all the activities. And... Yeah. Even after filming all the activities, that was kind of the general plan, and I had stuck with that. I knew it was going to take two summers um, of filming. It was really in the fall after the second summer when I was reviewing all the footage and trying to put something together that I just 
really didn't like what I had and I was really not enjoying the process anymore. <laughs> I really wasn't enjoying the film. I wasn't thinking anything I had was good. I didn't enjoy any of the video. I didn't think. I tried to edit it in a few different ways and it just wasn't good and it just, I just, and ultimately it was because I was trying to force it. So then yeah. it really took until like the third summer, um, kind of fall that third summer when I, um, I think it matured a little bit. I, you know, lived here for a few years, been a part of the outdoor community for a few years, mm -hmm. and then was able to kind of revisit. And I, I, it wasn't that I went out and reshot a bunch of stuff. It was just the approach had, had completely shifted and changed. Wow. That's so cool. Uh, wow. So there's not only a narrative for the movie, but a narrative like personally and how you grew. And wow. Awesome. Yeah. Personally, I think not only did I really learn how to make a documentary, I kind of learned how to understand anything, how to understand the narrative. And, and at least for myself now going into the second project that I'm working on right now, um, if I hadn't kind of had this issue with Living Driftless and if I hadn't kind of struggled with that reality of forcing a story, I don't think I'd you know, be able to work on the second project like I am. And I think moving, it, 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 the, the biggest thing I think I've ever learned filmmaking is that greater than anything technical, you know, greater than yeah. how to set ISO and white balance, which you can learn on YouTube, but right there, that's easy. It, technical ability is never what separates good storytelling from bad storytelling. Wow, yeah. I think I just really learned myself as, you know, as a filmmaker how to actually do it. And that's something that you have to just go out and, and do. There's a, a, a boss of mine at the, where I worked last year. He's actually an amazing photographer. Um, his name is Devin Poole. Amazing outdoor photographer, great guy, amazing backcountry skier, super cool. When I started talking to him about uh, filmmaking because he's a photographer he said the one thing I can tell you is you're going to suck <laughs> and I was really taken back by that and I was like well what do you mean he's like the first few things you make are going to be terrible <laughs> they're just not going to be good but you're going to learn about the process and more importantly you're going to learn about the actual storytelling process so I just you know kept stuck stuck through it and I by no means think the only suck but um, obviously it's, you know, a, a, a first piece and you move on from there and you learn from, you learn from it. And I don't think I, I don't think in any other way could I learn than by just doing, even if it took a little while longer, but yeah. you just learn. Hmm. Wow. That's so cool. They have a, both a narrative within the movie, but then a narrative for you, you know, as an artist growing. Wow. Mm -hmm. So getting into a big question sort of about the film, what does it mean to live driftless? Uh, I kind of toyed around with the idea of the name reflecting the area. Um, and honestly, I think at the end, the last line thing, like it's not my story to tell, but ours, I was just going to record, nice. kind of can reflect on what it means to, to live Driftless as it's such a unique area. And there's so many unique people doing different things that I think living Driftless just means, you know, and I'm, obviously I'm just one opinion. Yeah. Um, I think it means just, doing exactly what you want to do and um, being in an area where you can't do exactly what you want to do. You know, there's not a whole lot of places in Minnesota that you can wake up in your college house and jump on a mountain bike you rented from your outdoor center, pedal over past campus and go mountain biking 
and then turn around, lock up that same bike, go to two classes, bike to a rock wall, go rock climbing, and then bike home. There's just not a lot of places you can do that. And I think Living Driftless is, at least to me, the mentality of just kind of that free nature and, and free expression, if it's in outdoor activities or even the music scene. It's just that embodiment of, of free kind of movement and free spirit. Yeah, that really resonates with me, that both expression through activity and expression through, you know, art and creatively. Yeah. So what was the hardest individual part of the filming? Um, other than, you know, not knowing <laughs> what I was doing, <laughs> other than <laughs> having absolutely no idea, um, I would say the, the canoeing. I had this whole grand idea for a canoe segment that just didn't work out at all. Um, and my, my idea originally about the film was to have three segments, one climbing, one mountain biking and one canoeing. And it's just really, cause and then, you know, that's how I had always seen outdoor film. Um, and that's just not at all how it came together, but I didn't have a gimbal, which I, I do now. I didn't have a gimbal for my, for the camera Yeah, and went canoeing and just had these, I, I had these ideas of grandeur about like, <laughs> oh, we'll get in the canoe and we'll get these awesome shots and. Oh, I can see him in my head now. And then it was, yeah, we went filming. It was like the worst film experience of my entire life. Like, the weather was great, and it looked beautiful, the shots we got. But, you know, you're in a canoe on water, and I'm having two people paddle around trying to navigate around and other people who I'm yelling at to move because they're the characters. <laughs> and it was just this awful filming experience. That just We got some great shots out of it, and we used it in the beat. Um with a little less narrative and more B-roll than I wanted, but yeah, yeah, I, I learned that filming while canoeing is <laughs> awful. Uh, what interview taught you the most? Um, so I interviewed Ed Glacey from Upper Mississippi for Wildlife Fund or Foundation, and he taught me a lot about the biology and like geological history of the area. That definitely uh, taught me the most about exactly what the driftless brings on a geological level what makes it special it's history yeah um so as far as scientifically uh Ed Glacey from Mississippi River Wildlife definitely had the most resonance with me yeah I think the interview that had the kind of most moving power might have been my friend Taylor Taylor Olson I think you've met him before yeah um I'd known him for years but he kind of you know, opened up a little bit on camera and, and got a little bit deeper about what he loves about the river. Mm. And that was really, really cool to see someone who I talked about the river with for years kind of opening up and getting a little more into it. Hmm. What was it like interviewing the mayor? Do you think that the concept of expression resonated even with, you know, the, the leader of Winona? Yeah, obviously, you know, he's a, he's a little bit of a different person than I think I am. Um, He's not as much into to rock climbing and canoeing as I think I am. I think he's obviously more interested in the benefit of the city and how, how the city's doing as a mayor. Yeah. But he uh, he spoke really highly of how powerful outdoor recreation is in, in Winona and the Driftless yeah. and how powerful the artistic movement is in Winona. So it was really cool to see that kind of support from him, not ostracizing those communities, but really accepting them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh into some more kind of Winona specific and area specific questions. Uh, yeah. Give me the perfect Winona day. 
the perfect one on a day. Um, I mean, I think I'm out. There's a lot of really good days. Um, I would say, can we, can we start the, the night before? Yeah, oh, yeah. So I think the perfect one on a... No, we'll start in the morning. We'll start in the morning. So I think you, <laughs> you know, you you might have had a few uh, a few bevies the night before. So you, you maybe a little. Of course, if you're 21, so you're a little slow moving in the morning. Uh, you wake up in a, a house with a bunch of your friends. So that's kind of what I did when I lived in college there. Uh, you make a big breakfast. You have some coffee, and you start talking about what you want to do that day. Uh, maybe you head out and you go up to Sugarloaf and go do some rock climbing, or maybe. You, you know, maybe you venture to Red Wing if you're, you're lacrosse, if you're trying to get a little bit harder routes in. Yeah. Well, you have that big crew, and let's say you're climbing up at Sugarloaf, and, you know, you're hanging out, and, and you run into another group of friends up there who are climbing. Um, maybe share some ropes, share some beta on routes. You got to do routes with the North Face. Then as it's getting later in the day, 3 o'clock, you talk about plans for the evening, and that group of friends you ran into up there invites you to, to grill over at their place. So on your way into town, you go stop at a grocery store and buy some food to grill and maybe some more beverages and get professing out sound during sundown. And maybe there's some jamming going on, some music being played by friends. And then Always. You, uh, yeah, once the once the fire's out and everyone's nice and fed, you go catch a show at Ed's and repeat the process all over again. Nice. Wow. Yeah, front to back. Day, right? Yeah, that is that's that's everything. Nice. <laughs> uh, what do you think is Winona's best kept secret? Best kept secret. Um, as far as like a location to go. Yeah, or it could just be anything, but I think I had location in mind. Well, yeah. Well, I can't tell you my my favorite places because then true, maybe second best. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think Holdinger's is very underrated. True. The, I would go mountain biking there a lot in college and can really just get away. It's very, there's a lot of places up there that are very quiet, especially if you kind of know where you're going. Um, I think the backwaters obviously are, are special to everyone in different ways. Everyone has kind of their favorite, their favorite backwater spot. Um, I'm trying to think of like the best kept secret. I really think, yeah, Holzinger, the top side of those trails, nobody has ever yeah, wild. nobody's ever up there. There's beautiful, <laughs> amazing view of town. Especially in the winter. Uh, you, know what? you know what I will say, actually? And I know the trail program is working on this. I think my favorite view of town um, essentially is uh, west of the ice park, the, this year's ice park. Yeah. Um, if you continue along, and I, I'm 99% sure it's city land, and I won't say exactly where it is, but... There's a, a little area and a trail up there, and um, a few years ago I hiked over there, and there was just this beautiful, clear little overlook that I know nobody had been to probably in a year. I think I was the only one that bushwhacked hard enough to get there, and it was. <laughs> I don't. I think I've only been there twice in my entire life living in Winona, but it was one of my favorite views of town. Nice, nice. Uh, what's your favorite sport and your favorite season uh, in Winona? In Winona, I'd say climbing and either spring or fall um, obviously the climbing in spring isn't as good because things are a little still melty but yeah um you know there's something about kind of everything waking up and then obviously fall and nice cooler temperatures you go to apple orchards you know all that kind of stuff and football season you know it can't really beat fall in the midwest true um as far as in the midwest my favorite sport definitely has to be climbing i think 
if you ask me that question about out here, skiing gets put in the mix, but yeah, in, yeah. Win- in Winona, yeah, climbing, there's just, there's nothing like it. Yeah, Mount Lacrosse don't really stack up. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I'm, I'm currently looking at a pretty gnarly train on my window, so. Nice, nice. Uh, so what do you miss most about Winona? I miss most. Uh, you, you know, the one thing I'll say about Winona compared to Aspen, and people all the time are like, when I go back to Winona, they're like, oh, dude, Aspen is so cool. Like, you know, Winona's lame. And, and, and yeah, you know, Aspen is the famous ski place, right? Everyone's always, uh, where the beer flows like wine, right? Like Dumb and yeah. Dumber always says. But there's, there's, there's such a normality, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in the best way of the word, um, about Winona. And there's such like a, of purity and just like sense of presence that I find when I'm, I'm, I'm home that I absolutely don't find out. I mean, I've lived in, in Colorado for almost two years now or a year and a half now. And, um, it's such a very transient community. Everyone's kind of moving around, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's working here for one season or three, or maybe even they're here for six years, but then they're gone. doesn't really have that. Even though there is a town, it doesn't have that sense of, I wouldn't say place, but presence, right? Nobody here really feels like they're present, except for a few locals that I have met. But Winona, when I go home in Minneapolis, where you know all my a lot of my friends have moved to, my brothers live, it just has that feeling of like people are content being here, people are happy being here, and they're not thinking about their next move. They're thinking about you know where they're going to go tonight. They're not worried about six months the future which every single person out here is. And it's very refreshing to go home and go be in Minnesota and be in Winona in particular and just have that, like, feeling of calm and complacency. Wow. Yeah, that's a great perspective. That's super interesting. Certainly not what I... Wow. Wow, yeah. I, awesome. So I guess where are you now? I, I kind of hit, hit on this in the beginning, but, you know, sort of artistically, personally... Uh, moving forward from the place in the film where are you at yeah so I've, I've kind of gotten to a point where um i'm finally realizing how i want to to be a filmmaker which is a term i struggle to call myself but i think applies um i finally got to a point where i'm like this is what i want to do this is how i want to do it um like my biggest i wouldn't say fear but like the last thing I want to do in the world is become a YouTuber, right? And like the last thing <laughs> that I want to try to do is become like an influencer on Instagram. And yeah. I'm, very, I'm very happy with at least myself. So it's kind of my New Year's resolution to just be really happy with not forcing anything. And if I feel like going out and filming something, go out and film it. If I don't, I don't. If I want to go out shooting photos, I do. And if I don't, I don't. Um, I've really tried to have no like ulterior motive when it comes to, to filming and the thing I've kind of settled on is, is doing these kind of big projects like once a year. So, you know, obviously I'll make, I've been making some ski edits here and there and putting them on my Instagram, no real, you know, no real care there, just, just that day out with the friends filming skiing. Um, but I've kind of settled on, um, you know, A, not really, not telling my story because I think I don't really enjoy you know, that vloggy, which, you know, disrespect, right, to anybody that does yeah. that, but that's not really my MO, that's not my style, um, 
I'm much more interested in everybody else's story. And if I have to be a little bit of a character in a film to convey that, then you know, well be it. But um, really excited to kind of, you know, one film at a time. If a, if a company can pay for a little bit, not trying to make any money off anything. Like this last film in Moab, the, the company donated all the food. Mm. Um, you know, no financial support, but the food helped and it helped us use that money to buy a little bit nicer audio equipment, um, which goes a long way. So, you know, just working on these one projects here and there and, and really with the only intention of making something that, that people will enjoy and entering it into film festivals, that's really the entering some festivals and hopefully with some awards and yeah. then put it on YouTube and whatever comes of it from there comes from the comes in from there I'm really just coming at it from a, a stance of enjoying making stuff nice so we kind of touched on the edges of this but sort of compare and contrast Asp, uh, compare and contrast Aspen and Winona there is a lot of, of, of differences between you know Aspen, Colorado Winona, Minnesota and there's a lot of things that I think people wouldn't expect to be similar um, there's a community of people out here that are really pushing stuff as far as skiing goes. I think that's the one thing that I really enjoy about out here. Obviously, there's the differences in, like, topography and, True. you know, the wealth of Aspen and how crazy rich it is and all that kind of stuff, all the celebrities that come in. But the one main thing that I think I, I really enjoy is kind of the ski community out here. There's a lot of people, and this is helped by, by social media, I would think, um, posting, you know, videos of themselves doing these, crazy ski lines and then people being like oh did you see what's his name did this crazy line off the feature you know and all these mm-hmm. crazy things that you can like see from town right there's, there's this professional skier for example who lives in town named Coulter who actually films with uh, Teton Gravity Research who's kind of the biggest name in, in ski filming yeah um, and he posted a video the other day of him skiing this line this crazy thing that's ima- unimaginable how you can see it from town and then the next day I go to work and everyone's like, hey man, did you see Coulter's video? You know, yada, yada. Like this guy commented on it and it creates a really cool kind of buzz community. Um, and especially even like me and my friends will post stuff, obviously on a much different level, mm-hmm. but still get people commenting that we know or other skiers and I'll go to work and he'll be like, hey man, I saw the video you posted. Like, why didn't you gap over that little rock? Like all, you know, it kind of pushes <laughs> your, your riding and pushes your skiing and also creates a really fun, uh, community, and I think that's actually something that was present in Winona with the the climbing community. I know when I was there, the uh, uh, indoor climbing comp series, the Wix series that we were a part of, yeah, really kind of created that similar thing. You know, people would post, "Hey, I just got this five twelve in the gorge," or "Hey, I just there's this new route that just got bolted," and all, it was kind of a similar community um, that I think a lot of people would overlook. Hmm. That sense of unification through sport, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, getting into it, what's next? Uh, do you have any climbing projects or even just, you know, a plug for your next film project? Yeah, I don't have any um, climbing goals, really. I'm not really – I've gotten to the point where I'm getting a little – Yeah, skiing really seems I'm not going to be able to it. climb 513, so, or maybe 512, so. <laughs> I'm just, I'm really just enjoying climbing. Uh, we climbed a lot this summer in Independence Pass and kind of the same thing with skiing. You know, I'm not going to be a pro skier or anything and I'm just enjoying the, the ride. 
Uh, next, as far as films goes, is uh, yeah, I'm currently working on the next project called Desert Roses. Um, so we went out to Moab, Utah in November with the plan to really just hear people's stories. There was no ulterior motive. There was no plan. We just wanted to get random people who were out in Moab in November and listen to them and understand where they're coming from, what their story is, you know, why they love being out there. And our idea was, well, what better way to do that than over a meal? You know, what climbing dirtbags love, love free yeah. food, right? <laughs> so we actually teamed up with a company from Rochester, actually, called Trailtopia. Um, definitely look it up. Their food is really, really good, dehydrated yeah. camping food. Um, and they're an hour away from Winona, surprisingly. Um, we teamed up with Trailtopia and then another company out of Oregon, um, Backcountry Staples. They do some really good oatmeal. And with that, we went out and just started meeting people. And the whole plan was we, you know, we'd walk up to them and say, hey, we'll give you a free meal in exchange for me letting, like, letting us interview you. And then we want you to tell us an adventure to do day and you know we had no real plan the first guy who ended up saying yes was this awesome kid named max from california and we pretty much ended up hanging out with him and his friends for the whole week um he told us to go do this big huge rappel he lent us his 70 meter rope because we only have a 60 and then uh he was like i'll see you in two days at this park at this time uh, and he brought us up on ancient art, which is if you yeah, classic. don't know what ancient art. I know you do, but you know, give it a Google. Ancient art is this amazing, you know, four pitch uh, route up in, in um, Castle Valley in Moab, and I had never done anything like that, and wouldn't have if I hadn't met him. Nice. So yeah, I'm definitely I'm in the interview pro or the editing process right now. I'm super happy with as we. I, you know, I show my so my brothers actually were out here the last couple of days, and I showed one of them just kind of what I had, and he gave some, mm -hmm. some feedback, and um, really happy kind of with the direction that it's moving in. Um, one thing that I'm super happy about actually is the soundtrack is going to be. I don't I don't think actually anybody outside of me or the band or my buddy who I shot it would know this, but the entire soundtrack is going to be Barbaro's new album, Dressed in Roses. Wow, um, a band out of Winona. That if you if you haven't listened to that album, you need to. It's amazing bluegrass. It's yeah, artistic. There's so many recurring themes. It's poet. It's a beautiful album, and I think it pairs really well with the film. And they were kind enough, kind enough to to let me use it. And that's kind of why I, the the names are similar. Kind of played on that as a as a name for the film. So it'll be called Desert Roses. Um, should be coming out. I want to say May. I think May is a pretty good, pretty good timeline for it. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'll definitely send that your way. And I'm super excited about it. Wow, wow! So that's all I got for you. Thanks so much for joining. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much to Caleb for fitting us into his shredding schedule. For more Frozen River and art content, tune into the Art Beat, 12:30 on Tuesdays on KQAL 89.5 or KQL.org, and on the app. The Art Beat is made possible by a grant from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Art Beat is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Visit us on the web at kqal.org.
Artbeat is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Visit us on the web at kqal.org.